0: Hello listeners, we are back for another episode of Movie Fixers, the podcast where we don't just critique movies, we also talk about how they could have been better. I'm Tony, one of your fixers today, and with me as always, co-host, best friend, really just awesome guy, Matt Goad, me. Yes. I'm here. Excellent. How you doing, Matt?
1: I'm doing pretty well. Um, I'm excited to talk about this episode. We uh, Today we're going to be talking about a movie that I, I think I was the one that brought it up And what's crazy is I don't remember it putting it on our list But I remember you later telling me Like why are we doing that one I don't even know that one needs fixing So apparently I had a conversation with someone at some point About fixing this movie And here we are today to talk about fixing this movie mm-hmm. uh, What is the are, movie? I guess, I guess you and listeners would want to hear We're doing the 1986 amazing amazing film short circuit
0: that is right short circuit uh, just a little bit about this movie it was released May 9th 1986 and so it's got that kind of endearing 80s quality for me I have sort of a
1: soft spot for a lot of 80s films and oh sure well I mean at our age that's a lot of these movies are very nostalgic for us we watched these movies when we were very young
0: Right. By the time this came out on VHS, I would have been a young kid who would have found a lot of this very fun. Uh and I still do. I guess I'm still a young kid at heart. Uh but I think this was well received. It did 40 million over 40 million uh gross in the US. I think for that time period that's that's nothing nothing too
1: shabby. Oh, for sure. Yeah. No, it did it did well and it was critically received okay. Mm-hmm. They yeah. made a sequel.
0: Uh, I remember seeing that once. I bet you that one doesn't hold up as well as the first one.
1: No, probably not. <laughs> I honestly, I'm not entirely sure I saw Short Circuit 2. I mean, I probably did, but I would have been, I don't know, I would have been like 8 or 9 or something like that if I did see it at all. Right. Well, so we've just watched this one
0: again recently. Matt, why don't you give us a brief summary of the movie?
1: Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of wing this one. I didn't prepare this, but the 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 gist of this movie is uh, a bunch of researchers scientists and like kind of military people are showing off their brand new gadgets at some sort of like demonstration and these gadgets are five mostly identical robots that are definitely designed for like war combat use they've got these like crazy lasers on them that could just blow things up um they're pretty, like, rugged. They've got, like, tank treads on the bottom, that sort of thing. And what ends up happening is the, the one robot, so there's five robots. The fifth robot, five, or Johnny Five, depending on what you want to call him in the movie. Uh, he, he's, like, charging after this demonstration, and there's a lightning storm, and lightning strikes the generator, and it causes him to what? Short circuit. And what goes, what happens from there is he slowly starts developing like a personality and, you know, curiosity and things like that. And as the movie goes on, it's become clear that he is like sentient at this point. He's alive. Johnny Five alive is like the the big, like catchphrase from this movie. Number but he ends five. up like. He didn't call
0: himself Johnny till the end of the movie.
1: You're totally right. You're totally right. And he, he really calls himself number five. And he's really not referred to as Johnny. You're right until the end even though everybody calls him johnny five um he ends up escaping this base and running into this kind of crazy um i don't even know how to describe ellie sheedy's character she's like one of those people that loves all for all forms of life she loves she's got like a thousand cats in her house she's got a skunk she's got dogs she's got Mm -hmm. Um, I don't remember. She's got so many different animals. She she takes in strays.
0: I've got in my notes. I just want to bring this up because I I think it's perfect. You said you didn't know how to describe her. I wrote literally in my notes. There's a line she says and I went perfectly describes her character when she first meets number five. She thinks he's an alien. And her first response was, I knew they'd pick me. And I just I just went, oh my god, that's exact. She's that person. She's that person who doesn't believe just believe in aliens. She believes they would come to her. <laughs> like, that's her.
1: That's who she is. So right. So she takes a liking to Johnny Five pretty quickly. Um and then it you know, come to find out that the these like military types are definitely trying to get this robot back. Um Steve Gutenberg's character is this uh, is like the creator of these robots and he certainly has like an affinity for him and he wants to get Johnny or get five back as well um he's also got an assistant played by Dan Stevens who is an Asian or an Indian character played by a white dude but we'll get to that more in a second um but yeah most of the movie is these people trying to get Johnny back or I keep calling him Johnny trying to get five back And Ali Sheedy trying to protect him and protect the fact that he's like a living thing now that, you know, more or less deserves a chance in this world. And she doesn't want to see him like reprogrammed and, you know, deleted. That's the big thing is when, when five realizes that if he gets reprogrammed, then he basically dies for lack of a better term. He wants to live like he wants to survive. And I mean, I think that's the gist of the story. Anything I'm leaving out?
0: I mean, I guess it's a happy story. He does they do eventually get away. They he has to fake his death uh by build using parts spare parts to build like just the shell of a robot to get blown up and then they leave him alone and Steve Gutenberg and Ali Sheedy and now Johnny Five decide to go steve steve gutenberg apparently inherited this land in montana that he just happens to mention now and (laughs) yeah that he
1: mentions three minutes before the movie's over
0: (laughs) yeah very convenient because ali Sheedy's going to bring all of her ridiculous pets there and they're going to be a thing Uh, hooray but it's important that we talk about that because i'm going to reference that later so that's what what the the land the land in montana
1: yeah oh okay
0: I've got I'm some fun stuff to hear for this more movie. about
1: the land in Montana. Yep. Well, um, so that's the gist of the movie. Uh, you want to talk about our like initial kind of thoughts and reactions?
0: Yeah, um, I remember as a kid this being really funny and just kind of one of those things where it stuck with me. And I still agree. I think this movie's absolutely fine. Uh, I don't really think it needs fixing. But that's okay because I kind of have a plan for us movie fixers and what we could do. However, there is, like you said, the one thing is the actor Fisher Stevens, who plays an Indian character, but he's a white guy. And just a little bit more on that. The character he plays was originally scripted to be a white guy. They brought him in. You know, he's a young actor. He's got he's got a job. And then they're like they want to change it. And they, he's. They're like, "Hey, can you do an Indian?" And He's just like, "Work." Well, it's the eighties, first of all, and sensitivity wasn't as finely tuned. And then B, right. he wants the work. So he he talks about how he studied with a vocal co- coach. He he war- tried to work and like be very authentic to that character. Oh yeah, he
1: he went so far as to like go live in India. That was for the um, sequel. Oh, that was for the, was for the sequel. Yeah, he didn't
0: live in India until they till the sequel happened. But he was. He was trying to be authentic. I don't think he, that he was really aware of the sensitivity issue at the time, uh, right? Because we've read uh, Aziz Ansari, who is really popular in a lot of things, but Master's uh, Master of None is a show on Netflix. He's really well known for right now. Interviewed him back in 2015 because he was, you know, he 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 was openly like saying like when he was a kid he found this really offensive and he did not care for it. And he came out of the interview thinking, all right, I still don't like this, but Fisher Stevens isn't a bad guy. You know like I can I can acknowledge that you know He was just he tried his best And he was just given work and he took it And you know I, I kind of Well and like, he also
1: comes out of that interview Firmly feeling and believing That Fisher Stevens Recognizes that you know It should have gone to an Indian actor If that's the direction they were going to go Like he doesn't defend what's going he just It is what it is and he did the best happens. he could With you know where he was in his life And what was going on at the time
0: And I find that, like, again, we all agree this this shouldn't have been done, but there is some sort of silver lining to the idea that, one, someone who is offended by this could speak with the person, you know, responsible and find – well, one of the persons responsible. It's not just the actor's fault, but, you know, find find some sort of forgiveness there. Find some sort of, like – I don't know if solace is the right word. And on the flip side – that the person who did this could take some responsibility and you know apologize. It that just shows human growth, and especially in like a very, just what would be the word, Matt? <laughs> for, like our for our culture right now, especially regarding race, and just like how opinions seem to go from one and the other, and it just seems to be all full of hate. Just hearing this story that wasn't too long ago is like, look, there's hope. You know, right? If we it's- could just talk to each other, maybe we can all be. A little bit more sorry and a little bit more forgiving.
1: A Zizan (laughs) sorry. Oh God. (laughs) My reactions to the movie. I I remember I made some notes before I started watching the movie because I wanted to remember like what I even I I couldn't remember what the movie was even really about. I thought that it was about uh, this robot who wanted to be like very Pinocchio wanted to become human again or wanted to be human. Hmm. And I was wrong. That's not what the movie was about. I hadn't seen this movie probably since I was like seven or so. (laughs) It'd been a very long time. My biggest takeaway, and we can be done talking about Fisher Stevens here pretty soon and move on to just talking about the rest of the movie was that I didn't, I didn't think his character was funny at all. I didn't think his lines were funny. Um, I more or less the character needed a, a full overhaul to me. He was played very stereotypical, um it, it was it's weird because he's supposed to be this like brilliant scientist but he he's played very much like the fool. He's very well, much he's, played
0: like an idiot. He, he's very socially awkward and also he speaks in broken English. And, right, and the which broken again, English, is so, very so he, stereotypical. Right, and that's sort of the thing like you you hear him now and you're like, "Oh my god, this is super offensive because he's just mm-hmm. he's getting like all these colloquialisms wrong and and when he's not doing that, he's just Saying just awkward things, because really, you know, like he's, overtly he's a nerd, sexual so.
1: things. Like at one point, he just says, "I have an enormous Woody right now," and you're like, "Oh my god, this is not yeah. funny. This is just uncomfortable."
0: Yeah, seeing how as a kid I must have said. Now, embarrassing for me is that as a kid I did find him funny. His mm-hmm. accent was funny. It to me, like I'm just going to be honest. I watched sure. it now, and I'm just like, ugh, wow. I used to laugh at that. And then there were some lines that I was like, oh, my goodness. I used to quote that. I didn't even realize I was quoting this. I just, right. Like, it just sort of stuck in my head, and I remember, like, the kind of broken phrases and, like, the misused phrase, and I wouldn't even – I didn't even remember. Like, uh, at one point, he goes, like, I stands here besides myself. And I was just like, oh, my God. I quoted that all the time. That I don't know why I was a kid. It was funny. Mm-hmm. It sounded funny. I just – oh, that's so bad. I'm so bad. What's wrong with me?
1: <laughs> well, suffice it to say, I think his character is definitely the biggest like problem with the movie for all of the reasons that we've already mentioned.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I don't know that we need to spend an awful lot of time on that. Uh, but aside from him, I do agree with you. The movie did, didn't so much need fixing. Like, the, the story works. The characters all work. Uh, it just all for me, could have been just a little bit better. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to talk a little bit about the the stakes. You know, I bring those up a lot in our movies that I think the stakes could have been higher. I think character development, character relationships could have been developed better. Mm-hmm. But overall, you're right. It's a movie that doesn't necessarily need fixing so much as I think by especially modern storytelling standards, there, there are some things they could have done to kind of punch it up a bit. Alright, and with that in mind,
0: why don't we go ahead and get to our next segment, which is where we talk about uh, what worked, what fell flat, and things we would change. And for this one, because there's so many things that I feel like worked, and I can really pinpoint them fast, I want to start there. How do you feel about that, Matt?
1: Yeah, I'm fine with that, because the truth is, there wasn't anything in this movie that I felt like... Just well, again, aside from Fisher Stevens, there wasn't really anything that just straight up didn't work for me in this movie or even didn't make sense for me. Um, so I've got a, a short list of some things that I just really liked in this movie and that I would definitely, you know, if we were remaking this movie, want to keep in the movie.
0: Mm-hmm. So, what was something you definitely liked? Like, what was g- give, me your, give me your bullet points? Um,
1: I actually, um I loved the music in this movie that like 80s synth music really worked for me. Um, I loved the practical effects in this movie. You know, so many movies. I was watching the new Aquaman trailer the other day, and it just looks like a computer generated effects disaster from that one trailer. You know, granted, I'll give it another chance for sure. But I'm just I'm so tired of these movies where they you know, what's the line from Jurassic Park? They were so worried with whether they could. They didn't you know stop to think whether they should i just feel like they go so far with computer generated effects now that it's just a mess and that's and, so
0: weird because dc movies don't typically use a lot of cgi oh my god. <laughs> i know you're joking right now and i just I need could... to make
1: sure everyone knows that you're joking right now i i, I couldn't um, even stop myself from laughing for more than 10 oh seconds my god but anyways, with this movie, with 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 Short Circuit, they, it's you know one of those product of the '80s movies where the you know all the effects, all those robots that you're seeing, these five robots, they're real robots. Now, mm-hmm. you know the, the behind the scenes magicery of how they get them to move and you know talk and do all that is is different. But what you're seeing on screen was there on site for these actors to like play with and look at, and for you know photographers to. To, to shoot on scene with you know light on set and just like that that to me feels so real and i missed that and that really worked for me in this movie yeah um and- other things that really worked in this movie for me uh i loved ali sheedy's character she was just so fun and sort of ridiculous And her, like, house full of cats very clearly, like, spoke to me. I'm like, all right, I I feel you right here. You just – you want all the cats. I understand. Um, Some of the dialogue, as cheesy as it was, worked for me. Like, I love later in the film, Five is, you know, hurling insults and says, your mother was a snowblower. And just – it's so (laughs) stupid, but it's so funny. Um, The breakfast scene where Five decides he wants to make breakfast for Ali Sheedy's character – it's mm-hmm. hilarious exactly as is, and I wouldn't change a single thing about it. It's perfection. Um, the, the big like epiphany scene towards, towards the end where Steve Gutenberg's character is talking to Five um, and trying to like get him to understand a joke and, ch- and really trying to understand if Five is alive or not. And I think he says something like, who told you that? And Five says, I told me. And that scene, I feel like it needed maybe a little bit more like strings in the orchestration. But like it was such a good epiphany for both the viewer and Steve's character. And I just really I dug that a lot. Um, Final note, I thought it was too good. I was watching this movie on a plane and you know this about me, but our listeners probably don't. I tend to order gin and tonics when I'm on a plane. And I'm drinking my gin and tonic in the beginning of the movie as the robots are making a gin and tonic. And I was like, this is this is just perfection right here. I'm drinking what the robots are making. That's great. Um, but yeah, so that's those are those are a lot of things that worked for me. And also the sacrifice you talked about at the end from earlier, I thought that whole bit works really well from a story perspective. Mm-hmm. Oh, I left this out. There's another character in the movie we haven't even talked about, Dr. Howard Marner. He's sort of like the guy in charge, but he's like civilian, and I actually thought he was really funny if if underutilized in the movie. Right. And I would I would I would want to expand his character more, you know, if I were given the choice, but I liked him a lot. He was an interesting character.
0: Right, so you had Ali Sheedy, who finds five. You had Steve Gutenberg and Fisher Stevens. They're the two scientists. They were like the two head scientists that created these robots, and they're doing it for this company that's being run by Howard Marner, played by Austin Pendleton. And Howard Marner, like, they allude that he gets all this science stuff, but he's become too much into the numbers. He's become the CEO, and he's worried about publicity. He's worried about military contracts. And the whole fear is, is they don't understand that Number five's alive. They think that he's just malfunctioning and he's got a giant laser on him that could blow up a tank. So they're so scared. You know of what's going to happen and what's going to happen to them when that happens. In fact, one of the uh, the lines that Howard says is, "What's going to we are what do you what what do you you want to write the headline for when it goes haywire and blows up a (laughs) bus full of nuns? What do you think that'll be?" And this is one of the only Fisher Stevens lines that cracked me up, and it's on my like list. He goes, "Nun soup," (laughs) like the headline (laughs) is "Nun soup," and he just he just deadpans it, and I'm just like okay no that was good you don't need an accent it wasn't like a play it was just i don't know why it just it it still made me laugh really hard uh one of the things you didn't mention that i kind of found cool was after they showcase the robots you know number five gets hit by lightning but the whole thing is they're outside showing like you know these big military gurus the robots and like a demonstration and then you hear the thunderclouds roll in and there's this bit where howard goes well looks like we need to take this inside uh we can't control the weather unfortunately that still belongs to the man upstairs and then number five gets hit by a bolt of lightning later and becomes sentient and i just i kind of always wondered it's like is there like a parallel is there like just supposed to be this little connection or is it just a coincidence that you know the thing that the man upstairs controls happens to just give sentience to this robot they created because they never intended for them to have sentience they were all supposed to be remote power remote controlled and i just I don't know. I, I got a little existential there, but it was kind of fun to think like, oh, look at that. That's a nice little nod. Um, and then it was just like lots of small stuff. I loved like Johnny Five, number five, has a great, like the voice actor was great. And then he would do impersonations because he watches a lot of TV. Like that's where he gets most of his social cues from for the movie is he ends up spending like an entire night binging old television. And so he does like Three Stooges references. At one point when he's fighting the other robots, he like reprograms them to act like the stooges and i just think that's hysterical he does john wayne impersonations like all throughout the movie and i think that's great i don't know there's all all of just number fives just like personality kicked or everything that went into it there was a uh, oh there was a great saturday night fever nod so one of the movies that number five is watching is saturday night fever which is a nod because the director of saturday night fever is the director of short circuit so they just sort of Worked that in. I thought that was great. Yeah, it was it was just fun. I, I, I think and I don't want to go too much into it. I think it could have been a little bit faster paced, especially for today's audience, but otherwise I just uh, I don't know, it just makes me smile when I watch that
1: movie. I couldn't agree more. It is it is overall a very happy, fun movie, and I wouldn't want to change that aspect of it at even a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um let's uh let's get into the The breakdown of what's was there was there anything for you that was confusing unclear that just straight up didn't work for you in this movie?
0: Yeah, it's still. I mean, it's a smaller list than what worked. I think there was a couple scenes where the the ADR was off. You could see the mouths moving and
1: the audio was off. Might have just been my copy. Maybe they fixed it later. I it feel also like- could just be a sign of the times. I feel like a lot of movies from the eighties mm-hmm. they weren't they weren't like like nowadays they they'll they'll sit in a looping studio for hours trying to get that right and i think they just weren't as concerned about it then
0: mhm i at times the pacing felt a bit scattered i saw my mind wandering it I, I couldn't tell you at any one particular point. It just sort of was like every now and then I'd be like, oh yeah, just you know we're still doing this part. Let's let's uh-huh. let's speed it up, guys. And yeah, I, I think that the maybe the best time was the intro montage uh, in the beginning where it's like showing all the machinery building Johnny Five. It sounds like that would be cool, but it was just really slow. It, yeah. it looked like it was actually building a robot, which was probably cool, but it just wasn't visually right. stimulating.
1: It, I would say the movie was a slow build in general you know pun intended I, I really felt in the beginning like I wasn't getting any chemistry from like Gutenberg's character and Chidi's character and I will say by the end I felt like they'd achieved chemistry but there was just there was a lot of slow build and there, there was a lot of, of wondering like why any character was doing really what they were doing other than right. a, and, and I think once they established all those things that last act of the film works super well, right. but it, they take a long time getting there. the um, The boyfriend character Ali Sheedy has this like ex boyfriend that keeps trying to come by the house, um, and he's you know you can tell he's always trying to like make a dime. You know when we first meet him, he's trying to like capture one of her dogs and take it in for animal testing. I guess to sell the animal for money, and he's just he's definitely like a piece of garbage person, and. I think there's a way to rework that character to make him him work in the story more but otherwise he kind of falls into that too many antagonists trope yeah. there's just Well cuz you already have you you've got like the one uh what was his name Kroger Scroder Scroter okay. you've got Scroder who's like the sort of like military-esque guy who's trying to hunt down Johnny He's the
0: security guy for the company they build the robots at, and his because he's all about the security, his answer to the rogue robot is shoot first, ask questions never. He's kind of a running cliché, very—I uh-huh. I wrote down, Scroter gives me the red ass, and I wrote that because that's a line he says at one point, this robot's giving me the red ass, and I'm like, what the—what? Like, But he just talked like that the whole movie, and he was a bit much— yeah. In my opinion.
1: I could have. I have a talk- really I have a really fun fix for him when we get to it. I mm-hmm. I I really do a lot with that character. Nice. You talked
0: about there being too many antagonists, so the CEO kind of character, Howard, is definitely about all the money, but he kind of gets a little too far on the antagonistic side. At one point, Steve Gutenberg and, and Fisher Stevens characters are gonna like they're gonna go after the robot on their own because they don't want it destroyed and so howard you know the ceo like pulls a gun on them and to Mm -hmm. stop them from like driving away and i'm just like whoa like these are human beings like he's not going i mean he's not they call his bluff they said you're bluffing you're not going to shoot us and he wasn't but i mean maybe it was the 80s maybe we just were less sensitive that like somebody draw drew a gun on you because you're trying to drive out of this like workplace Mm -hmm. that's just that was just a bit extreme and they kicked oh, character back, but that was just weird.
1: I think that care, that scene had a lot of potential though. Like where I wanted that scene to go was, you know, he's like, he, like you said, he has, he's gotten caught up in the numbers and the business and all of that. And he's lost sight of the science. And I think Gutenberg's character even says something to that tune. And I was, what I was expecting was for that character to have a nice turn there And like realize like oh my god I've become that's like corporate monster you're right I've lost sight of the science and the discovery of everything and I was expecting a very like pro science moment where he you know slowly lowers the gun and he's like what am I doing like and then he like helps them like he gives them something or you know says like I'll distract them while you leave like I was expecting that character to have this really great moment and that's just not what happened. they back up and then drive around him and that's pr- yeah. <laughs> pretty much it um some other bits that didn't work for me I mean just some of uh, i I know I said we were gonna stop talking about him, but I, I wrote down some of the particularly like egregious dialogue from um Fisher Stevens Fisher's character and I just uh, the the sporting a tremendous Woody was really bad but the other one that really like it was really close to the beginning of the film he says something about like he's sick of wearing the dress in this family and I just I, I think I groaned loud enough that people like three rows behind me on the plane heard me I, I all of his dialogue I I kind of hated Um but yeah um let's see any other things that just like straight up didn't work for you no I mean that was that was all of it like I can't Everything I can think of isn't so much a it didn't work so much as I wanted it to be a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Like you got a great little like battle sequence at the end where, you know, five is taking on the other four robots. And I I remember thinking, like, I could use more of this, like more robot battles could have been nice in this movie.
0: And something that might have helped is, I mean, the security force slash eventually they get the actual military are all just, like, gun-ho against blowing this robot sky high before it's, like, a danger to people. But it's Mm -hmm. yet to actually be a danger to anybody. There's a small amount of property damage, but only after it's attacked— hmm uh-huh. it's like there needs to be there should have been something that that number five did that could at least be perceived as threatening that could have been like even blown up more to be you know like he didn't have to kill somebody but if somebody got hurt or almost got hurt or you could spin it to like he was being hostile when he was when he really wasn't but there was just none of that they were just guns ablazing because, I mean, they, they were obviously, and I know this was the point, more damaging and more of a threat running around with all their guns and their, like, vehicles and things like that chasing him down than he ever was.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the only threat that we see as a viewer is that opening montage where they're demonstrating the abilities of these five robots. And the main ability is this one laser off the shoulder that apparently has the ability to just straight up obliterate anything but mm-hmm. you never like you said you never see 5 even a start to use it or even arm that laser as far mm-hmm. as i can remember
0: He uses it later. Well, I thought because he when the boyfriend comes back and starts getting a little abusive, he he uses the laser to take off. Like he shoots the belt buckle off the pants and his you know, the the brim off his hat and he falls down, you know, in his boxers or whatever. So, like, oh, yeah, that could could have been like blown up like, oh, he shot at a human. He could have killed that human. We're going to be in so
1: much trouble. But they just nope they don't even talk about it. Well, if we don't have any more, you know, fall flat moments, let's talk about some changes. Like, let's go ahead and talk about what we would change to, you know, better this movie. You want to you want to take a crack at it?
0: Well, I was actually going to ask what you've got. I so here's what I've done. I haven't so much written changes to this movie because uh, there's there's not really anything I would change necessarily mm-hmm. except for what we've already mentioned. There's very, very few small things that that I, I, I feel like that's more just like polishing off or, or refinishing something that's already there. I went ahead and went a whole different route, and we don't have to do this right now, but I started thinking, what would this movie look like today? I mean mm-hmm. – big thing today is the reboot used to be the sequel. Then it was the prequel. Now it's the reboot. And I have in my mind constructed a very good reboot slash maybe sequel to this. And I, that's sort of what I'm, I'm saving all my gems for.
1: Okay. Yeah. I mean, like you said, it's really like the soft reboot is the thing nowadays. And it's like you said, it's movies or TV shows that are kind of a reboot, but they're also a sequel chronologically to their predecessor. Right. And and is that what you're kind of driving at?
0: I mean, I've got the pitch ready.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, I mine could easily be like a fix, you know, as in if I had been handed this script before they went into production, these are the things I would have wanted to change about it. But it could also very much be like a modern reboot for today's like, Movie-going sensibilities. Um, I'll just go ahead and get into mine. The my the biggest problem I saw with this movie, again, aside from the glaringly obvious problem with one character, was the stakes were kind of low the whole time. You know, there was really never a lot of threat from, well, from any direction really. From I mean, the, honestly, the sort of the most threatening character was that stupid boyfriend character because. The military—they're just kind of, are not say I keep saying military. You're right. They're security. They're not military. Um, they're just trying to get this robot back because he might be dangerous. The robot is, in fact, not you know being dangerous at all. Um, early in the movie, when they're kind of like first showing off the robots, they talk about them being nuclear delivery devices, right? And I think the biggest thing that would raise the stakes in this movie is make. Five, you know, through a series of events I haven't quite written yet, you know, he has, he's has a nuclear payload. Mm-hmm. And the, again, the next biggest thing I'm, I am I want to change is the scroter character. Who's like the head of security on this, this, this base. I mm-hmm. want to make him because this is definitely in this like red scare era, right? Where the Russians are the bad guys and all that. I want to make him like a Russian agent who's been tasked with a mission to to you know eliminate the threat of the of this technology this whole base you know this you know make it more of a military base than just like a you know Mm. a, a research center but you know give him this mission and he's like an undercover agent and he's trying to activate and detonate this device and a series of things go wrong where you know he's trying to like you know make the detonator faulty or do you know whatever he's doing to try and make or, this happen and then five he and, steals
0: the secrets of number five and wants to take it back to mother russia
1: well yeah that's part of the plan too but i'm saying like specifically mm-hmm. he's trying to detonate a nuclear device oh okay and i've and got a so i've got
0: a I've, i know how you're going to make that work too because if number five what if number five's power source is nuclear that's how he would deliver the payload they there you go they're talking about sneaking I see, behind the lines
1: I knew, I knew you'd fill in the gaps for me but yeah. 5 ends up escaping And mm-hmm. not only is that a problem For the actual like base Because they don't need a nuclear device out in the open yeah. But it's a problem for Scroder's character Because he can't complete his mission to destroy This facility without this So he has like Almost like a twofold mission now Where you know he's got the the you know his cover as the head of security or head of whatever when he's got to retrieve this robot, but he also needs to complete a mission and he can't do it without that device. What and if
0: what if we flip that on its head? What if he's the one that causes five to escape? Air quotes because he wants to set this device off in public, causing a huge fear in the country of a nuclear device just goes off.
1: I like and, that idea. I like that idea. And, a lot. And, I kind of like the, the reason idea it of him work. being tasked with destroying this facility but you know what you're saying works maybe he maybe you're right maybe he reprograms them or does whatever but of course the short well, he circuit sees happens functioning
0: but he doesn't know he's alive and that's what his whole thing is is it becomes really frustrating because he thought he was going to have this thing get out in the wild he was going to catch up to it set it up to detonate but he can't catch him because he's alive and he didn't count right. on this he he, just thought he was. he broken. didn't
1: account for the fact that this glitch was going to was causing Five to realize like what he is and you know and that actually is another thing I want to change about the movie is give five more you know right now as the, the movie as is his only real drive is just survival and I like the idea of five having something more that he's like he's trying to get somewhere he has some sort of a goal you know it, it, and it could be something as like sort of trivial as he sees you know a commercial somewhere for a place that he wants to go because you know he's alive now and he recognizes beauty and things like that maybe mm. he wants to go to the Grand Canyon maybe he sees a Disneyland commercial and he sees one of the robots in Disneyland and decides that those are his people like whatever it is he he sees something and sets a goal for himself and I know what it is what is it
0: well I don't want to tell you because I've already got it written in my reboot <laughs> okay
1: well I'll just finish I mean but I do think another part of his goal would be you know, knowing that he's a weapon and like fighting that identity crisis, very like Iron Giant, you know. And mm-hmm. I think that plays into what I was talking about as well. But I like the idea that um, you know, as the film goes on, Schroeder, Schroeder does actually retrieve the nuclear like payload. Well, see, I don't know the powering thing kind of doesn't work, but I'm sure we could write around that. The idea that he does retrieve it and he decides to use one of the other four robots to deliver this nuclear payload, and then we have. You know, Steph and Newton, you know, Ellie Sheedy and Gutenberg and Five have to all kind of work together to stop him in the end. And mm-hmm. that just, I really, like I said, just raising the stakes is like my main thing. You know, no, there's no like, you know a city's right. in danger in this and i think this movie could benefit from a little bit of that and i think making mm-hmm. like upgrading scroder from just this sort of obnoxious head of security to you know a russian you know secret agent or just making him more of a menacing threat um is is my biggest fix for this movie
0: i like it yeah definitely more stakes i mean that's your that's your overall thing and yeah it would have it would have made given more punch to everything that was happening and everybody's decisions because yeah, number five's alive, but he's also got a nuclear reactor built in, and you know that's just you know there's some there's some controversy to just letting him wander free, you know human beings don't have nuclear reactors in them and can just you know maybe blow if something goes wrong or be tampered with.
1: So give me give me tell me about your reboot. I'm excited about this this 2019. 2019- short circuit reboot
0: so this is yeah this is great it's it's definitely like you said it's a soft reboot it's going to reference the original it's going to reference a lot of things because i think it's going to be fun um but i I think this is like the force awakens kind of reboot in that it's going to take a it's going to be very similar to the original but i i think that's okay because it was a good movie so i don't you know it ain't broke but right exactly. the idea is so we start out again a new robots being made for the military right but this scientist this the steve gutenberg character is so just like he's so it's it, it goes back to that whole he's not asking if he should he's just doing it because he can and he's like hey guys i've given this robot sentience like I've, I've created an ai and i think it's going to be awesome because now we've got like this fully sentient robot right like he just he takes it too far he's not he's not even thinking about the military applications he's just thinking about what he can do and and the military like the big military head guru is like why did you do that i don't want that i don't want a drone that thinks for itself i want a drone that does what i say uh, you know, and then, you know, they can drop the whole, what are you trying to create a, a robot apocalypse, uh, another Skynet? Like there's always going to be like little nods to like everybody, <laughs> everybody knows at this point, AI and a robot is usually a bad thing. And that's going to be kind of the theme here because, you know, the scientist gets to know the robot, but now they're wanting to like come in and erase his sentience or at the very least put all these sorts of like restrictions and, and you know, codes into him so that it, it has to do with what they say. It basically, to the scientist, feels like enslavement because he believes this robot is alive. So that's it's, that's a little different, but it, it kind of gets into that, that that kind of interesting territory. So he helps the robot to try and get away, uh, but the robot ends up off on its own. And just like number five, it stumbles into somebody out in the wild who this time is a bit more of a conspiracy theorist, is my thing, instead of Ali Sheedy's sort of just like you know of course she's more kooky this guy's kooky but he's more like in the conspiracy realm kooky which i think would be just kind of funny because he thinks this is all like a big government ploy or a cover-up or whatever and he starts to see the robot more as like a potential way to expose the truth and not as a person until he gets to know the robot meanwhile the robot is learning and this is going to be sort of the stakes that, I, that you were kind of wondering about for Johnny Five, that extra thing he wants. Uh-huh. The robot's realizing, yeah, he's alive. Like, that's not a question. But his reception is just going to be bad. Like, the reception of him alive. Like, he sees... Like, at one point, just, like, watching TV, he watches, like, all the different, you know, AI robot movies. You know, Terminator's got to be in there, and AI, and just you name it. Like, he's seen it, and he's like he starts to wonder like one of the things I liked was that this robot looks more like number five or doesn't look human. And he starts to question his own physicalities. Like, should I look human? Do I need to change my appearance, you know, to, to, to exist in this world? And really it's, it's about him wanting acceptance for him, you know, not being rejected because he's different because he is alive. I mean, there's a lot of parallels we can draw to that, especially in the day's culture. And I think a lot of people will be able to relate to that, but that's the theme. Is... I, I
1: like it. I like it a lot. And you, you hit on something I really like. I like that that five in this in this original movie wasn't humanoid, and I I think mm-hmm. keeping him that way is a is a great decision. Right, because again,
0: no military wants a, a sentient robot. They want something practical, and you know, good at good at killing, but. Yeah, so so and then it kind of keeps going. The scientists trying to find him, the military is trying to find him, or it's you know another company with a private security detail. That part's whatever because he's alive. Again, he's sa- same same bits. He's he's a weapon. He could be dangerous. Scientists and the conspiracy theorist, uh, which is funny because I guess everybody I I imagine like you could cast this any which way you want. You know, meet up they meet up with number five because oh so not number five not, he'll be i haven't come up with a name for him i just keep calling him robot so this is the next bit you you talk about him needing somewhere to go so he goes with, with the conspiracy theorist he starts looking for safety where can he be that's safe and he goes to the i'm going to use air quotes here the dark web the the find help you know like mm-hmm. who out there can provide an answer or a solution or whatever and he gets this signal like he gets this response and he's got to go, like, and they give him coordinates of where to go and say, if you can get here, I can help you. I know what you're going through. Like, and you're not sure what this is, but he's got to follow it, right? The robot's got nowhere else to go, no other choice. People are going to be coming after him. So it becomes the chase again. Can he can he get away and can he reach this this location? And, and will these people be able to help him before the the people coming after him, the military or the whoever, come and shut him down and kill him for what he is? and of course again I'd, I'd like to think he makes it because then the next part is, is you figure out he goes to Montana on this middle of nowhere place where there's a plot of land and there's this cabin full of all sorts of strange animals and there's an old man really old man just kind of in a rocking chair up front and you know there's this whole exchange and you know they're, they're talking or whatever and he doesn't seem phased by this artificial intelligence at all but he then reveals he wasn't the one that sent the, that the pinged him and said, I could help you. He's like, I didn't say that. And then in rolls in a very kind of older and clankier number five, who, you know, sits down with what is now his new AI brethren. And they kind of have this exchange where it's like, you know, number five's kind of purpose was to always be there and wait for the next one. Like he knew he wasn't going to be it. He knew there would be another one someday. And I mean, back then, he was just created by happenstance. So it's not like he could have just started making more. That wasn't an option. But he knew it was going to happen, and he's just been ready and waiting to give guidance to the to the next one to show up. And the way he kind of leaves it with this robot is like, your purpose now is to not just help the next one that comes out, but to make, try and make the world better for the, for all of our future brethren, you know, gain the world's acceptance, you know, gain the world's, you know, recognition that kind of just like call to action. And that's sort of where it's left. And we could either leave it there or we could kind of share the, because, you know, sequels or, or, but I love
1: this. This is, I mean, this is a movie I would definitely watch. And I like the idea of like a backdoor sequel, where mm-hmm. you know you don't it, it definitely feels like it's a remake for most of the movie but in the end you find out that it it's in fact a sequel. I love that kind of idea. Mm-hmm. And this sounds great. I mean, this sounds really well thought out and I would watch that. Yeah, I
0: think I think, I think, it because we'd have all the great stuff, like we'd still be, you know, we'd have all the practical effects, build a new practical robot, we would, you know, we would have our own, you know, kooky and It'd still be kind of a comedy, there'd be a little bit more of a heavier theme to it. But I think, again, that's those stakes that we were missing last time. And, and it would speak to modern issues, which isn't always necessary. But I just I feel like with this whole, you know, existence and life and all of that sort of stuff, it just you can't not I feel like you're missing an opportunity now.
1: Oh, I totally agree. And you're right. You know, this AI and drones and, and, you know, all this is is very topical. It's very current. And it's something that you could – that this sort of movie could address in a way that um, makes the average viewer, like, better understand what what it's about, you know? Mm Mm-hmm.
0: And just – challenges the perspective and then but it can still be all sorts of fun and like that's that's the adventure part the running and the the meeting the conspiracy theorist So I want to be just as kooky as Ali Sheedy's character was
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then I like it
1: and I, can I even I, like I, I, mm-hmm. I was gonna say I think we could you could even work in some of the elements that I was talking about for sure and absolutely and treat it as as more of a you know soft sequel but I, I do. I would like to see,
0: especially if we could find, like, if they still have the original number five somewhere, like, in, in a studio, like, if we could, like, roll him back out or at least recreate him back to approximation and, like, have him at the end, I think that would just be, like, a serious hard nod to, like, like old fans.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, even if they don't have him in storage somewhere, some, like, Weta employee is just <laughs> anxious to get on top of this.
0: Mm-hmm wonder if the voice actor's still around and or if we could recreate that. I'd want to get the voice, too.
1: That's a really great question. Uh, let's see. His name was Tim Blaney, and he is still alive as far as I can tell. So that's pretty right. cool. Nice. All right. Well, so, Tim, be looking for a call from us.
0: <laughs>
1: no, I'm serious. I want to make this. For this I, I want this 2019 Short Circuit re- reboot. I think know. it's time. Well, um, that's pretty much our fix for this ep- for this episode. Um, mm-hmm. Anything else you want to talk about? Not necessarily just about this movie, but just in general. I kind of touched on a
0: few things. We, we were talking about soft reboots and prequels and sequels, and just the the way the the industry works in movie entertainment. And I, not in this podcast, but I would like to do kind of like a sub podcast where we just sort of go into our opinions on all of that because I definitely. I definitely have many thoughts about that and possibly Space Wizards relating to that.
1: That's our episode for this week. That's the Movie Fixers short circuit episode. Uh, mm-hmm. Next, Our next episode is going to be in two weeks. And do you know what we're doing, Tone? I think
0: I do. I looked it up. I'm pretty sure I've got it right. And if it is, I feel like I'm really glad the last two we did were easy because this one is not going to be easy at all.
1: Yeah, this one's another uh, adaptation episode uh, that's based on a, a, you know original material or an existing material, I should say, uh, and it's one that's very near and dear to both of us, which is certainly an element, uh, pun intended, of of oh. the, of what needs fixing in this movie but Um, you want to go ahead and tell them or you want me to do it no no
0: no i I need to do this because otherwise i'm just going to audibly groan over you talking um (laughs) and to be clear we what's near and dear to us is the property the intellectual property what is not near and dear to us at all is the movie and the movie is avatar the last airbender
1: well, and to be clear, the movie's title is just The Last the Airbender. The Last
0: Airbender. Right, right. No, I just wanted to get people thinking blue blue aliens for a second. Okay. There are no blue aliens in this one. Uh, this is the one based off the Nickelodeon cartoon, Avatar, The Last Airbender, which if you haven't seen, I don't care how old you are or if you have kids or don't have kids, you really should watch. It is it, hands it is. down
1: the thing that I recommend people, to people the most. Yeah. Oh yeah, it comes up, you know, for me all the time. You and I have been on other podcasts before. I think I've mentioned it on every every single podcast <laughs> I've ever been on. And you've you've done well to
0: restrain yourself on this one because I know I know we knew we were going to talk about it eventually, and I think you've just held back.
1: Yeah, I, I I'm a huge fan of this original series Avatar: The Last Airbender. I'm I'm in the process of working on a tattoo from this series. Uh, you know, I've read all the comics. I'm just I'm a big 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 fan, and. Uh, well, we'll tell the story when we get to the episode. But Tony and I saw the, this movie years ago when it came out. This movie adaptation by M. Night Shyamalan, and um, the the short version is we were disappointed. I don't know Should this. I'm thinking for time listeners, you could you could maybe
0: skip ahead, or if you don't want to hear our feelings on this movie, but I, I, we're going to have a lot to say next week, and I'm worried we're gonna we're gonna fill the podcast up. Versus this one seems to be going pretty well. I wouldn't mind giving like just a short summary of our experience with this movie and why we have to do it in two weeks and why i'm not looking forward to it at all
1: um go for it you know give us give us two minutes on Mm -hmm. on on your thoughts on this
0: opening night of this movie we're huge fans of the show matt and i decide we're gonna go to the theater and cosplay that means we're gonna dress up as characters and go and matt you you had your head pretty much shaved at that point and you dressed as the main character whose name is ang and and you paint a big blue arrow on your head like the main character. And you've got a pretty good like, get-up. You look really good. I mean, you don't look like the, a kid, but otherwise you look right. And I go as the, in, I will say antagonist. The, the antagonist. The, yeah. Yeah. Zuko who is uh, a slightly older boy with a giant uh, fire scar on one half of his face and we, we get some like makeup and we do some like prosthetic kind of stuff and we, we get like a really good like burn like way more detailed than the cartoon. It's just like a, they draw like a red patch on his face. and this I was I was looking pretty banged up and I at least like color matched what he wore. I didn't He wears kind of more of like a military outfit and I didn't have anything like that. but I at least matched the colors and kind of kind of did myself up that way. And yeah, so we go to see this movie, and it just, you know, it was directed by M. Night Shyamalan, who you know was kind of hit or miss with everybody, but this was a, a dead ringer of a miss. He got, he seemed to miss what made the show great. He seemed to miss how to pronounce the names of the characters, and just sort of like would change pronunciations instead of saying Ang, they would say Ong, because he said, I don't know, like that's how he thought it should sound. And it's like, but that's, no, he
1: said that from his that he thought that was more culturally accurate even though all of these
0: characters are in a fictional world
1: sure I mean to his sort of credit what what he's referring to is all of these a lot of the characters in this world were based on existing actual cultures so you know certain mm-hmm. Chinese cultures Japanese cultures um, definitely in, cultures things like cultures. that yeah. and I and you know it you can't deny that a lot of like character and location names are based on actual, you know, sorts of things, but the, the, that was kind of neither here nor there. You have an established property that, Mm -hmm. you know, that has set precedents for how certain things are going to go. And you can only mess with that so much before you've just lost everybody.
0: And, and if that was the worst thing, I would have been fine, but it just, it all went downhill from there and that we will definitely go into in two weeks. But but I have not watched this movie since that viewing and I... I
1: haven't either I tried to once and I didn't get past the opening credit crawl and I'm gonna have to just do it this time but I you know I'm excited that we're doing it together and that we're doing it with purpose that certainly yes. makes for a better experience
0: so so we usually behave really well if you want to if you want to hear me well, I, I'm going to be, I'm almost no doubt that I'm probably going to lose my cool a bit on this one. And you're going to have to, to check me because we try to be good. We try to be patient and forgiving with things on this podcast. I am like, can you hear me right now? I'm I'm starting to
1: fume up. Ooh, oh, we should sure. probably sign up. We out. might have we to should... post a separate rant episode. <laughs> <laughs> Just <laughs> after do done. a
0: rehearsal and let me get it all out of my system. And it's like, okay. Yeah,
1: <laughs> for sure. All right, well, everybody, thanks for listening this week. Uh, remember, you can always uh, comment on Facebook. You can comment on Podbean. You can comment on iTunes. You can email us at contact at onlyontsd.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts on our fixes, on future episodes, on possible movies that need fixing from your opinion. And, you know, we're here for you and we want to hear from you. So don't forget to, to throw your voice out there.
0: Yeah. Thanks. We we love that you're listening. We we'd also love it if you if you give us some feedback. So it's not just me talking to this 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 swell guy over here.
1: I'm a, I am a swell guy. You're right. <laughs> we'll see you guys in two weeks with uh, the last Airbender and uh, take a look at Short Circuit. Tell us what you think.
0: Definitely. All right, guys. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.